Wise Guy Radio. Here's your host, Robert Manny. Welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show where men and women can be at their best, Guys Guys Radio. This is a show where we go out and we find guests that will bring you new information that hopefully will make you think, make you feel, and inspire you to act. That's what we do on Guys Guys Radio. We know everybody's busy but there's a lot of information out there that can help us live our best lives. So what we do on Guys Guys Radio, we get those guests for you to consider their information, and then it's up to you to do what you want with it or do nothing with it. It's up to you, but I'm going to keep bringing you the great guests. We've done over 500 interviews for Guys Guys Radio. We've got one of our best guests ever today. I'm really excited. His name is Don Miguel Ruiz, Jr. He is a noted Toltec teacher, author, and he's a wonderful, wonderful storyteller. Uh, his dad, you may, might know, uh, Don Miguel Ruiz Sr., wrote the seminal spiritual book and Toltec book, The Four Agreements. Don Miguel Jr. has written a number of books. Uh, the most notable is The Five Levels of Attachment. And this new book that we're going to talk about today, The Mastery of Self, A Toltec Guide to Personal Freedom, is really a, a deep dive into the one of the, the top level of attachment from his, uh, his earlier book, The Five Levels of Attachment. So we're going to talk about mastery, which is number one. And it's, it's a great show. I pre-recorded the interview with Don Miguel a couple of days ago, and he was just wonderful. I had so many things I wanted to get into. I wanted to touch on Toltec Wisdom, uh, Carlos Castaneda, uh, Don Miguel Sr., of course, uh, The Five Levels of Attachment, Don Miguel Jr.'s book, and also the new book, The Mastery of Self, plus anything else that came up organically we managed to get all of that through, and I give all the credit to Don Miguel because he is just a super mindful, present person. He's right there when you talk to him, and I really enjoyed it, and I'm really glad uh, to have made his acquaintance. He's very detailed. He's very thorough in his answers. He's articulate. He's authentic. He uses great analogies. A lot of times they're sports-oriented, so it's fun to listen to him. And he's just a cool guy and a wonderful storyteller and teacher. And I threw, I was so overprepared, I had maybe 100 questions for him. And I wanted to get a lot of information out there for you. So I threw a lot of stuff at him. And uh, rapid fire, multiple questions piled on top of each other from all different angles. And he managed to absorb all of it and come through with very, very articulate patient, mindful, present answers. So I thank him for that. It's going to be a great show. Let's get to that interview right now on Guys Guys Radio. It's Guys Guy Radio. Guys Guys Radio, your host, Robert Manny. I have a very, very special guest today. His name is Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. We're going to discuss his new book today called The Mastery of Self. And I have to say, I related to so much uh, with uh, Miguel that um, I'm thrilled that he's on the show. And I think we're going to have a nice, fun, organic conversation and see if we can get some information out there, particularly at this time to, to help people kind of deal with some of the struggles that we're all having in a divisiveness and how you deal with. It's easy to judge now. It's easy to get upset. I notice on Facebook, now, uh, which is already a place where everybody likes to argue that it's even more tense than ever. And it's uh, to me, it's very problematic. And I noticed myself pulling back and say, I'll just let this person 
state what they want to state. As crazy as it may seem to me, it's like, I'm not going to go there. And I think uh, Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. is going to help us with that. He's in the Gual, a Toltec master of transformation. He's a direct descendant of the Toltecs and the Eagle Knight lineage, although he does not identify himself as such uh, specifically. And he's the son of Don Miguel Ruiz. By combining the wisdom of his family's traditions with the knowledge gained from his own personal journey, he now helps others and he's helped me already realize their own path to personal freedom. And I'm thrilled that he's on Guys Guys Radio today. Welcome, Miguel, to Guys Guys Radio. Hi, Robert. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm honored and I'm very grateful to you. Thank you. Well, let's start. Let's start at the beginning, because as I was reading your about you and your books, I was like, wow, his grandfather lived to 116. His grandmother lived a very long life. And uh, uh, Miguel, you helped her in her passing. Your dad gave you that task of help your grandmother pass, help, help her yes. cross over. And then your father is such a well-known spiritual teacher. How, what was it like for you and your Toltec? What was it like growing up in that type of family and that type of lineage and that type of household and and being able to kind of find your own personality and definition of who you are without getting trapped, if you will? Well, it was fun. You know, I my grandmother, Maria Sarita, she was the spiritual head of the family. To a certain degree, she still is, even though she passed away 12 years ago, she's still a spiritual head of the family. So when people say I'm walking in my father's footsteps, I say, no, actually, both my father and I and my brother, we're all walking in my grandmother's footsteps. It's her desire. So I grew up in a family that, you know, for example, my grandmother, Sarita, she was a faith healer. And my father and my uncles were uh, doctors, Western medicine doctors, my father being a neurosurgeon, my uncle being a, a neurosurgeon, and my other uncle being an oncologist. And they would both uh, ref refer patients to one another. You know, my, my uncles, my dad would refer patients to my grandmother, who was a faith healer, and my grandmother, who was a faith healer, sent patients of hers over to my, my, my uncle. So you could say that I grew up with uh, juxtapositions and dualities from the get-go. You know, not, not only was, was I born and raised in San Diego, California, I, I'm one of those rare cases that I lived in San Diego, Chula Vista to be exact, and I crossed over the border into Tijuana to go to school in Tijuana. And mm -hmm. basically, I, I have an accent that reflects two cities and I grew up with that way. I grew up with Western medicine and spirituality. I grew up with uh, academics with the International Baccalaureate and UCSD, California, University of California, San Diego and the spirituality of my family. So for me, being able to see both sides and understand the whole spectrum of things and be willing to see it is how I grew up with a family that loved each other. We are my, my grandmother had 13 children. We, uh, that The next generation has 60. I have 64 cousins. And wow. the next generation has even more. So, And I live in the same house as my grandmother, which means every weekend the house was packed with people because everyone came to see my grandma. My grandpa passed away when I was uh, much younger. And from that point of view, it's like I grew up in a place where family was first. Love was definitely uh, shown in the complexities of relationships within a family were impacting me in a beautiful way. And you had, in my case, being the eldest of my father's students, uh, sorry, eldest of his children, I got to witness Dr. Miguel Ruiz, apprentice Miguel Ruiz, and eventually Don Miguel Ruiz. I witnessed my father's journey from being that guy who 
before he had an aha moment and the guy who was battling his own demons or getting out of his own uh, own way, I can say, and then decided to make a completely right turn in life, letting go of the medical profession, uh, going through a divorce with my mom and going in a direction that is completely different. You know, I, was, I went to school with kids who were, who were all parents were doctors and whatever. I went to private school in Tijuana and my father stopped being one of them and became a shaman. And when I was growing up to say that my father was a shaman, well, you know, people used to make fun of you for that. It wasn't really accepted very much. There's a taboo behind it right. to even say my grandmother was a curandera. Was a, there was a taboo behind that as well. So I grew up with that and witnessing my father make that tough jump that now as a 44 year old, I can totally look at my, at my father going as a 30 year old, 30 something year old, doing all that work to become a medical doctor and doing surgeries and neurosurgery and all of a sudden in his mid to early 30s, no mid mid 30s, he let it all go and he shifted course and went for something he wanted nothing was promised this whole Don Miguel Ruiz and the and the four agreements was nothing promised it was it didn't it take it took him about a good 11 years after that decision to for the four agreements to come out so in that transition witnessing my father let go of a lot of superstition that surrounded the family that surrounded the family tradition the Totec tradition in our family and put it into something called common sense. Well, that teaching that my father gave reflected upon me. And you can say that it, it goes into the whole juxtaposition and understanding both sides of things because I got to see the apprenticeship of my father dealing with it to the point where when he finally became Don Miguel Ruiz, his teachings of, with us was more of a action reaction you learn from the consequences of your choices. Whereas Dr. Miguel Ruiz expected straight A's from you and demanded straight A's from you, Don Miguel Ruiz expected nothing. He says, this is your life. Let life be the teacher. Conquer death by becoming alive, that kind of thing. And he let me experience myself, make choices in my own life at a very young age, you know, in high school and college and all that and the consequences were my teacher and that's how he taught mm -hmm. so that you know you can say that that impacted my 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 upbringing quite a bit but the constant through all that was love the yeah. love we have for our family now the four uh, agreements i believe are be impeccable with your word don't take anything personally don't make assumptions always do your best what was the trigger if you will using that term for uh -huh. your dad's coming up with this notion uh, of the four agreements and moving away from the Western medicine to shamanism? Well, the trigger, you know, the aha moment he had was he had a, a car accident uh, where something happened that he couldn't explain, you know, and he doesn't know if it was a dream or hallucination or whatnot, but he remembers almost be moments before the accident and he was young and still a university student uh, and he was partying he'd been drinking a bit and he slammed the car into a wall and he saw himself leave his body take everyone out of the car and very plowed 
he couldn't explain that. He, he couldn't explain how he survived. He couldn't explain any of that. None of the mm -hmm. logical explanations could would fit. And he went to the one person he trusted at the time, which is his grandfather, Don Leonardo Macias, my grandma's father. At that time, he was the head of the family. And he began to ask questions. And my grandmother and him continued his journey. So that you could say that's, that's the moment where he had an aha moment. Mm -hmm. The path I'm going in right now is harming me. The aha moment that led him to let go of being a doctor is that he felt as if he was in a treadmill dealing with, uh, how can I say, symptom after symptom and never finding the root. And that's the, that's a quote he said. That's how he said it to me. Mm -hmm. I kept I kept going after symptom and symptom and dealing with the symptom, but I never got to the root. And when he let go of being a medical doctor, he felt like he was going straight for the root. What is mm -hmm. the root of all this unhappiness? What's the root of all this? Because you know, with with faith healing, for example, you can say the power of the placebo effect is the core of it. You know, if you give it someone who's sick a sugar pill. And if they really believe in that medicine, that medicine right. will kill you. But yep. it's not really medicine, it's, it's sugar. And a placebo effect can work in a beautiful way, in that way, or it could cut the other way. It could, it could you, it, the placebo effect can harm you if you believe in beliefs or conditions that subjugate your will. So a lot of, he, from that point of view, he saw that a lot of people were getting sick because they believed in those negative placebo effects. Mm -hmm. So from that point of view, he let go of it. He let go of the profession of being a medical doctor, a, a family psychiatrist as well. And he went for his own personal journey. And something he's always said was, if I can do it, you can do it. Because I could do it. And if I could do it, of course you can do it. So mm -hmm. he's always approached that, you know, that that mantra has been the thing that helps him. Like, it's, it's you can say his humility comes from that. So... From, for him, that was the catalyst to let go of being a medical right. doctor, the catalyst to begin to even search. So, so two, two moments in time that shifted his perception so much. And of course, in letting go of being a medical profession, he let go of that domesticated condition belief of if you're not and you're not somebody until you become that one doctor or that one lawyer, that one whatever that elusive carrot is. He let go of it. He stopped chasing it, and said, "No, I'm I'm the source. I'm the, I'm I'm the step one. This is this is the beginning." And now, how how old were you at the time, Miguel? I was eight years old. Okay. What, did eight. you have any idea of what was going on? Like no, my dad's not just, uh, going to the hospital anymore. He's like doing other stuff or what? Yeah. It wasn't uh, like an exact chunk. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like it, it, he had to finish you know he it started with not taking any new patients mm -hmm. and finishing the work he had with his patients you know mm -hmm. he didn't it. It, that's the way he transitioned so it was a gradual thing and i was somewhere in fourth grade or fifth grade when my father finally let go of it and to tell my my, my classmates that he was a shaman now and not a medical doctor <laughs> yeah it, it was it was you know, it's uh, right. If you, it's it, it was okay. it was an interesting time. You know, a lot of taboo, but okay. luckily for all of us, it all worked out in the end. Okay, uh, guys, guys, radio. Your host Robert Manning, our very special guest is 
Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. We're going to talk about his new book, The Mastery of Self. We've been talking about his dad, but the new book is A Toltec Guide to Personal Freedom. Um, Toltec, I read as a kid, I was drawn to all the Carlos Castaneda books, and I recently interviewed a friend of yours, Heather Ashamara, and we talked about that. We really connected. What's your understanding of Castaneda? What does your dad think of him uh, as uh, all of those books? Um, is it are they on target with the Toltec is where you are different from that? Uh, t- talk to us about all of that. Well, it's it's different, but it's the same. You know, it, it, let's let's go forth. Uh, the word Toltec is a Nahuatl word that in English means artist. That's what the word means. So when we say the Toltec tradition, we're saying the artist tradition or the tradition of the artist. There's the Mesoamerican culture that existed over 500 years ago that ceased to exist with the expansion of the Aztec Empire or the Spanish Empire. At that moment, it ceased to be a culture with a central uh, capital, and it became an oral tradition because people continued to practice it, but in their own unique ways. There are people in Mexico that practice it exactly as it was 500 years ago, and then there's families like mine that practice it as each generation goes. For example, my grandma would say, if you practice the Toltec tradition the way your father and I practice it, you're killing the tradition. And the reason why is because you're not letting life be the teacher. You know, the lessons you will share are the lessons you've experienced in your life. So there's that tradition that goes from generation to generation that teaches it as best as they can, but adds to it. They're always adding, and because they're adding to it, it transforms. So from that point of view, by nature, the tradition of my family, that Don Ezequiel Macias, my great-great-grandfather, the one who lived to be 116 years of age, him, he was born in somewhere in the 1830s. He's the first Mexican in the family. And I say that because his parents were born in the new Spain, and the mm-hmm. concept of Mexican did not exist. They were, they were subject to the king. The whole concept of Mexican was during the Mex- Mexican uh, independence. So from that point of view, Don Ezequiel says we're Toltec, and that's how we can we okay. do it. You know, like, but I could be completely fanatical and say, no, it's definitely that way. But you know, we, every person has learned it in their own unique way each generation. Like Don Ezequiel was, from, according to the legend, he was the trickster, traditional shaman that you read about. Mm-hmm. Don Leonardo was a military and a musician and a band leader. He taught through music. His daughter, Madre Sarita, taught through faith healing. Her son, Don Miguel Ruiz, through logic and common sense, that's, the word, that's what he uses to describe it. And myself, um, I apply the continuing the common sense point of view, but mixed in with modern. I'm, I'm speaking English, at least. So you add Carlos Castaneda and the, the, the teachings there are Don Juan. Uh, Don Juan is the teacher of Carlos Castaneda, and he learned, Carlos Castaneda learns from the teachings of his tradition of the Yaqui uh, Indian, right, the, right. the Yaqui tribes in the, in, the, in the Sonoran Desert. And they use mezcalito, they use the, the allies that are right. the hallucinogenic uh, plants as to induce an experience. Now, that's beautiful, especially when they're guided, the way he guided uh, Carlos Castaneda, according to the story, whether it happened or not, we don't know. But right. the, the lessons are there to learn from, and they're very powerful. My grandmother didn't use such uh, allies. We, in our family, we don't use 
-hmm. peyote, we don't lose ayahuasca, we don't use those things. They, they are not our ally. Uh, my grandmother always taught taught us that we can get there with discipline. You know, you can hear Don Leonardo all over it in that one with the word discipline. Mm -hmm. That she taught us how to use our breath, how to focus our attention. If you've ever done any breath work, you know what you're talking about. You can hear what she's talking about because I've done a, a breath work session in my life once and it took me very far and I did a lot of healing and man, it taught me that all, the only hallucinogenic I need is oxygen. <laughs> so from, from, that point, from the point of view, I learned my grandma's teachings in the form of discipline. Quiet the mind, learn to quiet the mind because if you don't, quiet or heal the mind you're bringing whatever that's in to that space okay so right right there that's a little difference and that's just a, a point of view got it uh, my father when he became a shaman he really engaged all that magic and then there was a point where he renounced to power and decided not to be a shaman and just be a teacher and the four agreements is exactly that moment in time when got he it. decided to put everything in a language that is common sense that is not meant for a certain small group of people or a certain particular type of people but for everyone in a mm -hmm. language that they can understand so from that point of view that's there's you can say that's the one big difference between castaneda and ruiz my father does has read castaneda especially when i was young you know when i remember being a teenager my father reading castaneda and then at one point he stopped reading it sometime in the early 90s he stopped reading it but he always had respect for castaneda and don okay. juan in particular he always he always wanted to hear or uh, read a book written by Don Juan. No, that's that's what. Ah, yes. My dad always wanted to uh, read a book straight from Don Juan, which I don't think he ever got to. I'm not sure there is one. Um, I haven't searched for it, so there might be. Who knows? But that's the differences. But got it. That's just two families. You know, mm -hmm. there's okay. many, many more. You know, there's there's uh, there's people in Mexico City who practice it. I for, I forgot his name. There's this one guy. There's other people out there who also teach it as unique as they they do it. Some people really with the spirituality side, with the, all the incense and the smoke and all that kind of thing. Then there's the people who like Don Leonardo do it through music. You know, they they, mm -hmm. they teach someone how to focus your attention. Like for example, Don Leonardo would have his apprentices focus their attention on one instrument in an orchestra, and if their attention got drawn away by another in instrument, he would have that apprentice start all over again. And until they were able to get to the very end of the song, following one, one instrument in a very complex piece of music. So it's that that's an example of my grandma's teachings in regards to attention. Wherever you focus your attention is what controls your life. Mm -hmm. And from there, the next step would be dealing and mastering the mitote which is a thousand voices all talking at the same time got it the image the image i like to use for a mitote is imagine you're in the 50 yard line in a stadium you're the very center whether it's football or soccer that's the center now imagine the stadium full with people whether it's 45 to 60 70 000 at the queue or over a hundred thousand at the pasadena rose bowl you sit there in the center, imagine everyone in that stadium screaming, yelling, trying to hook your attention. And then the question lies, the ones that you're attracted to is the one that's going to speak the loudest to you. You know, in a, 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 in a place where 100,000 people are, the one that resonates, the one reaches you, is the one you're attracted to in some way. 
mm-hmm. negative or positive or good or bad, whatever. And that's the mitote. So that okay. that sound, just imagine that sound being inside your own head, because now every single thought inside your own head is doing exactly the same thing, trying to hook your attention. I've experienced that playing baseball where you hear one person in the stands and it can completely throw you off if you allow it, if you're not still, if you allow it to, you lose your focus. But uh, exactly. It reminds me of that movie uh, for the love of the game with Kevin Costner, when he says, activate the mechanism and the whole (laughs) janky stadium goes silent. Right. Exactly. Okay. Your grandmother used to say, uh, is knowledge controlling you or are you controlling knowledge? And that's a theme that comes through your book, the mastery of self. Why is that so important? It was the the question that my grandmother did throughout my apprenticeship with her. It's like, do you control knowledge or does knowledge control you? And she would, of course, uh, vary it. She would vary it, say, is the bottle drinking you or you drinking the bottle and change it time and time again. At the age of 14, I had no idea what that meant. But as time progressed, I began to understand that it's a question that you can answer in different stages of your life. So in the five levels of attachment, I chose to answer it in each level. For example, at level one, the authentic self, the answer is I'm aware of that I am life. And regardless of what I think, regardless of what I know, I am aware that I'm alive right now. So that's the answer. I am alive. Regardless of what I think, regardless of knowledge. At level two, preference, the answer is I am accepting of my authentic self but I will use knowledge as an instrument to to inform my choices, but I'm the one making the choices. At level three, identity, knowledge and I are one. I think, therefore I am, or I am what I think. So at that point, the more I get attached to something, an attachment is to make something that's not a part of you, a part of you by investing of yourself emotionally or intellectually to something. So at this level three, identity, Knowledge and I are one. At level four, mind you, internalization. Knowledge gives me the rules by which I live my life. It gives me the rules by which whom I should love, how I should love them, and how I should love myself, and how I should accept myself, and how I'm supposed to be a man, how I'm supposed to be a Toltec, how I'm supposed to be a whatever. At that point, the four agreements turn into the four conditions of our personal freedom. Meaning by that is that we corrupt the four agreements and use them as as an instrument of domestication or conditioning, and we pretend to be something we're not. At that moment, knowledge has control of us. And at level five, fanaticism, knowledge has complete and total control of who I am. In fact, I see myself as an identity, a word and I don't see my humanity you know the more we get attached to something the less and less I'm aware of my own humanity and which means less and less I'm aware of anyone else's humanity as well so do you control knowledge or does knowledge control you it's a question of where are you at today are you giving of yourself so much that what you give power to has power over you which is our knowledge is our creation and now our creation controls us or am i aware that knowledge is my creation i'm the source by which it exists and when i understand that 
knowledge as my creation, that my thoughts are not who I am, that they're my creation, they're my projection, then I can understand that I'm not this body, I'm not this mind, I'm the force that gives it life. I'm, I'm, I'm life. So and, you are God then experiencing itself through you. Yeah, That's it, what we do, right? Yeah, exactly. I, I, I am aware that I am a part of the whole. Mm-hmm. Not, and when, I, when, I, when we say that, that I'm God, is more in the sense that the mind doesn't say it. At first, right. the first, when we first start this journey, the mind says, I'm God, but the mind is not God. Right. Then when you say this body is God, but no, the, 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 this body is the creation. And then you get to the point where you ask yourself, when did my life start? And then you become aware that it didn't start when I was born. It didn't start when I was conceived because the sperm and the ovum that gave me life already had life. Right. You know, if the ovum or the sperm were dead, the conception would not exist, which means I, life, started way before my conception. And all of a sudden you start realizing the imagination begins to expand. It didn't start with my parents. It didn't start with my grandparents. And it reaches this apex where all of us have a same or a similar relative. And then it goes all the way down to what we know as Adam and Eve. And then you find out about the DNA and that we are related to one another in the sense that humans are related to plants, to animals, and also it expands again until you reach that point of the Big Bang or the hand of God. And also from that point of view, God is everything that exists. Right. And God is love. So then mm-hmm. love is everything. Yes. Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. is our special guest on Guys Guys Radio, your host, Robert Manny. We we're talking about the new book, Mastery of Self, and we have those uh, five different uh, uh Five different types of people, basically, or levels of uh, attachment, the authentic, the preference, identity, internalization, fanaticism. It seems like in this country right now that there's a real problem with uh, these uh, these agreements. And I know that's the earlier book, but I think it still has a lot to do with mastery of self because you're taking the, the, the highest level, number one, the mastery of self for this new book. But I think it'd be helpful to, for people to understand the uh, how these five levels are expressed in day-to-day life. And I'll give you an example. We don't get political on Guys Guys Radio, but I think when you look at the landscape right now, there's so much divisiveness. And there's, to me, a lot of people are in that level five, which is the mm-hmm. fanaticism where no matter what type of noise comes out, you're on this side or you're on that side. And it's very difficult for people to uh, even, let's say you're a, you, let's say you're a liberal, but you're not for vaccines. Mm-hmm. You're going to get obliterated by both sides on, you know, yes. for some for different issues. You can't, you can't, it's almost like you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to have to be middle of the road or like look at issues. It's like you're on that team or you're on that team. Help us out with that, Miguel. Yeah, it does seem like being a moderate is not such a good thing anymore, according to some people, but they're a minority. The people who think that it's really a minority, they're very loud. The image I like to use to describe it, because I, I'm aware that po- talking politics or religion, if I in describing the levels of attachment, at level two or level three, I'll begin to lose people because the triggers get happen. So uh, the way I used it is I used sports. So to adapt what I said, you know, to, to bring it to smaller syntax here, um, let's imagine you're in the stands uh, of a, any sporting event and imagine that it's the first time you ever go to a, a sporting event. So like you've never been to anything. Like say you went to soccer or football or basketball or whatever. This is your very first time. And if you remember the first time, 
it's an exciting thing, but you're still like you're trying to figure out what figure out what's happening. All right, at level one, the authentic self, you go to the game, the referee blows his or her whistle to start the game or to end the game. Win or lose, it doesn't matter to you. You enjoyed those 60 minutes, those 90 minutes, depending on which sport you watch, and you enjoyed it because the separation between you sitting in the stands and where the field begins is clearly defined. That line is set, and you know that you're here to enjoy this moment in time, 60 to 90 minutes, depending on the game, like I said before. And you enjoyed it. When you leave the game, you leave the stadium, it says nothing about who you are. It doesn't impact your life at all, other than you enjoyed it. Got it. Level two, preference. You've become aware that if you invest a little of yourself, you're going to enjoy this game a bit more, like the roller coasters, the highs or lows. And it all comes down to choosing a side. So you look at both teams and you see, all right, which one do I like better? You know, you look for a color that you that you like, a city or town. You know, for example, I grew up in San Diego, so I'll look for the hometown teams, you know, or the neighborhood teams. I look at the players uh, and I, I find a, a name that's Ruiz or someone similar like Miguel or my a cousin's name or a friend's name. You, you look for little elements of yourself right. mm -hmm. and you say, okay, I'm going to root for that team. It doesn't mean that you're going to root against the other team. You just want this team to do good. Mm -hmm. So when the game goes up, you know, you enjoy the roller coaster pretty much, you know, the highs of the game, the lows of the game. And it's fun, you know. It, it can be more fun that way, right? Yeah, exactly. you're a little, You have a little bit of involvement. A exactly. Bit of involvement. So when the referee blows his or her whistle, though, when the end comes, you're able to separate yourself from the team that you invested in because you realize that it's not really you. You stand up, and it doesn't mean who you are. It doesn't impact who you are other than you enjoyed. If they won, great. If they didn't win, too bad. Next time. But... You enjoyed it. You still have a clear line between separating the, the stands and the field. Sometimes when you invest yourself emotionally, that line starts getting blurred, like at level three, identity. Now I'm going to identify myself. Those things that I looked for at level two, now I'm going to make it a little bit personal, and I'm going to put on those colors. When yeah, exactly. I've got my Charger gonna, shirt on fun, here on yeah. San Diego, yeah. even though they're not here I mean, anymore. But <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, that that, that impact made me too. Too, you know, I was born and raised with uh, the Chargers, and now they're not San Diego, so I'm like, right. hey, well, they're attached, right? But at level three, when I was like a Charger fan, when back when I was, uh, yeah, I was a fan. I'm not a fan anymore, but um, I like them, but not to that degree. Because they no longer represent me, but I level back then they did. And when the game ended, when the referee blew the whistle to end the game, if they lost, that impacted my rest of my week. If they won, that impacted my rest of the week. All of a sudden, it began to bleed. That that separation between the stands and the field gets blurred because now I'm taking it a little personal. You know, it it, it the success makes me feel good about myself. And their failure makes me not feel not so good. Mind you, up until this point, level one, level two, level three, if I see a Raider fan or I see a Jets fan or a Giants <laughs> fan or a Patriots fan, 
I'm not gonna give him any 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 hard time. I'm gonna say, hey, good, good luck okay. to your team, man. Yeah. You, you, Tom Brady's pretty good. Uh, glad that Chucky is back for the Raiders. You know, uh, I I miss the days of, of any Testaverde with the Jets. You know, that was never great when to. I don't as a Jet as a Jets fan, longtime Jet season ticket holder. I don't miss many Testaverde. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know, the, 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 the two times I saw the Jets play were against Oakland in okay. Oakland, and both times the Jets beat Oakland and 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 play in playoff contention. It was it was funny. Anyways, but. As you saw right now, yep. when we saw a little bit of exactly. ourselves, you saw the color. Like, yep. There's a certain excitement, and the banter, the conversation we just had, the little banter, is fun. You know, it's amicable. It's it's you you're you're gonna buy each other a beer. You know, that's, right. the color of the jersey you're wearing doesn't impact your relationship. In fact, it kind of enhances it exactly because you found a common thing that you enjoyed. At this point, identity is a beautiful thing because it's an icebreaker that allows us to create a bond. Mm-hmm. At level four, though, it changes. Now, this rule, this conditions of what it is to be a Charger fan or a Raider fan or a Jets fan or a Giants fan or a Patriots fan or whatever, now it begins to tell you who you're supposed to like and not like. You know, as a Charger fans, we're not supposed to like Raider fans and, you know, and Patriots fans, you know, Giants, you know, like they, 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 they they kept they kept Eli, so we'll we'll keep Rivers, you know. But at that point, it gives you the rules of who to accept and who not to accept. It tells you like instead of buying beer, you're not going to be buying this person a beer. You're going to tell them why they're terrible and why they're dumb and why they're stupid <laughs> because they they follow their team and they don't even know the person, but they're going to be arguing and right. they're not going to give way because if they admit defeat, if they ever said you're right and I am wrong then I'm a, not a good fan and I'm never going to admit it. So at that point, that goes around. And know. their self-value is... Uh, yeah, exactly. I, ha- I have to be a good fan. I have to live up to an right. image of what that fan is. And at that point, the culture of the team dictates your relationship with yourself and other people. At that point, knowledge has control of me. It gives me the rules by which I love myself. At level five, fanaticism, those rules completely are are complete. You know, I don't see you. I see the color. I see an identity, a symbol that I either agree with or disagree with. And if I see a symbol, well, at level four, I'm not buying you a beer. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a hard time. But at level five, I'm punching you. I'm kicking you. I am I am I'm hurting you because. I don't see a human being. I see the personification of something I don't agree with. And especially other fans, if other fans around me, they also have to believe, they have to act and they have to behave because all of them represent me and that you better not make me look bad. And it's a sport. It's a game. Mm-hmm. You can say that at level one, you can. there's a separation between the field and the stand. At level two, a little bit of an emotional investment allows you to enjoy the game a bit more. But when the end comes, that line is not blurred at all. It's it's clear. At level three, that line is blurred, whether the game is going on or outside the game. You know, the game only lasts 60 minutes or three hours with all the timeouts and halftime and all that. But it it begins to impact the rest of the week. So it, it impacts you all year long. Even in the off season, it impacts you, you know. At level four, 
that line is completely blurred. You start seeing yourself in those players. Those players represent you as you represent them. And at level five, you you realize you think that you've jinxed your team because you didn't put on your shirt right. You washed it. You're jinxing the part the, the the team. Why, why did you wash? You should have put on the you put on the shoe on the left side this year. You should have started with the right. That's what allowed us to win. And you're so invested, you, you believe it. Now here's so the this, thing. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. So with politics and religion, and I'll stick with politics since you talked about it. You know, there's a a level one. You vote. You don't. You, you're gonna vote for, or not. You don't care. A level two. You have a preference, and you're willing to vote for the other side, but you're basically gonna vote for the person who has the right idea. A level three. You're gonna uh, see yourself as blue or red, or whatever, or purple, whatever. And at that point, you know, you're, you're more inclined to color and vote in that way. But the line is starting to blur. At level four, you only vote for your color, blue or red. And you're not going to be friends with anyone who is either blue or red in the opposite direction. You know, you're not going to be, you know, you're not going to talk to them. At level five, you don't see human beings. You see a symbol that why would I care if they lived or die? Like you see the red hat for some people are going to go, oh no, the Magna hat, right? Yeah, exactly. The Magna hat, right. The Magna hat or the, uh, all, uh, Black Lives Matter or whatever, or, or, yeah. or whatever mm-hmm. image, you know, of, of feminism, of the old boys club or, you know, it's, it's they're, they're all symbols of preference that once you become attached to them, you'll corrupt them. And, mm-hmm. and you'll corrupt just the, the way I can corrupt beautiful images. For example, the four agreements at level one, level two, level three, those are the four agreements. But at level four, level five, those are the four conditions. And I call them the four conditions because they, they become the symbol by which we domesticate ourselves. And at that point, level four, level uh, five, you're not listening to the other side because you don't want to be wrong. And even if you're wrong, you'll never admit it because mm-hmm. there's no way we're going to ever admit that. And, and to okay. ever, and at that point, a debate, a, the nature of a debate is to find the right path. That's the nature of a, a, you propose all these ideas, you defend that idea for the benefit of the whole. But nowadays, a debate is my side wins, my, your side loses, whether we're right or, or in the wrong. It doesn't matter as long as we win this election. Yep. Very well spoken. Um, Don Miguel Ruiz, Jr. Let's talk about the new book, The Mastery of Self. So we talked a lot about the uh, five levels of attachment. Now you have the new book. What is this about? How can people benefit from this book? Uh, How can people use the book? What are the key learnings? For me, the, the mastery of self is the moment where I stop pretending to be something I am not for the sake of someone else's point of view or judgment, including my own. And it's the moment where I accept myself just the way I am. And it's a book that I began to write when I in the, in the in the first book, which is the five levels of attachment. I was going down from level five to level four, level four to level three, and from level three to level two. That's when this book came about, and my publisher stopped me because I was going on off on tangent. I was about to break the whole rhythm of the book because I started exploring it. And he says, "Hit save, put it aside, <laughs> and, and keep." Keep keep the line on this one. Keep your discipline and staying on on note 
on point <laughs> with this book. So when that book ended, then I began to explore this tangent, which is the mastery of self, which is the moment where I no longer see myself as an identity with a symbol, with a definition, mind you. And I started seeing myself as the experience of who I am. So at that point, I begin to shed all my conditions, all these beliefs that I have about myself, and I start seeing myself as I am. And then it starts out with this analogy of a party. Imagine yourself that you're the only sober person in a party where everyone is drunk, and everyone in the party is everyone you know, your family, your friends, your coworkers, everyone, everyone's in here, and everyone's in different stages of drunkenness. You can be talking to two people. One person has opened their third or fourth bottle of wine and they're blacked out already, but somehow they're functioning. And the other one has been nursing the same glass for several hours and they barely put a dent on that. Now imagine talking to everyone in between, everyone at the party and they're in between the two of them. Some people, you, uh, the more you talk to, the more drinks they have, like it's like a different personality with each cup and with each glass and then they stop drinking and they sober up and they they become uh, they become present and then they have one more drink and then there's the slippery slope imagine everyone go, going up and down their levels of attachment or their levels of awareness they go up and down so at that point the question is what are you going to do they're not drunk on alcohol they're drunk on the drama of the party what are you going to do? Are you going to leave the party? Or are you going to stay? If you stay, are you going to drink from the same fountain? Or are you going to stay in your discipline? And that's the awareness. What choice do I want to make? Do I want to go down that slippery slope that makes me forget myself? Or I stay in my intent and I continue to choose to engage everyone in my life? You can say that the example of that would be exactly Facebook. You know, you decide to stay out of whatever conversation or arguments are happening right now. And as you were, were pointing out before the interview, there's a lot of minefields in there that you can have an emotional reaction to. You can do, you can stay in your discipline after a couple of, 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 of minutes of looking and then there comes that one person that always posts something that makes you go, grr, at that moment you have a choice. Right. You're going to drink of that cup of emotional reaction, which is anger and frustration, and you're ready to argue. Or you're going to let go. It's like, all right, that's the point of view. And I'm not going to hit like at all on that one because I don't like it, but I'm not going to argue. At that point, you have a choice. What's your choice? And that's where you know yourself. What kind of consequence do you want to experience? Okay. We're running short on time, but I want to get some points out there that people can really take away with them um, for our listeners. What are some of the simple steps that people can do? Because it's all about choice. You're going to make a choice in every instance with every person you deal with, with every emotion. What are some of the categories that we have to make choices in and how do we make choices so we're not driving ourselves crazy mentally? Like I have to do this or this, this, you know, you don't want to get into overthink. Mm -hmm. What can people do? Well, first, first ask yourself, what kind of consequence do you want to experience? And the answer is going to come either by your domesticated beliefs that you're supposed to, that level four, level five, what we were talking about before, or you look at something and you look at, all right, I don't want to experience that hangover of, and arguing something with people sometimes comes with that hangover. Sometimes it's worth it, you know, but it, it's sometimes there's value in it. 
but it really comes down to what kind of consequence you want to experience. And in order for that to happen, you have to know yourself. You know what makes you happy, what doesn't make you happy, what is worth your time. Like my dear friend Kirk Summer says, is the juice worth the squeeze? I love that phrase. Is the juice worth the squeeze? Meaning by that in my translation, is the con is the consequence worth the effort? Part of your free will is to say yes and no to things you want to say yes and no to, that your no is just as powerful as your yes. That's what personal freedom is. I'm free to say yes to the things I want to say yes to and no to the things I want to say no to. If I want to take something personally, it's because I want to take it personally. That's personal freedom. To respect myself, to make my own choices also comes, like Uncle Ben told Peter Parker, with great power comes great responsibility. If you want the power of your free will, it also comes with respecting yourself to experience the consequences of your own choices. With that in mind, what consequences do you want to experience? And at that point, it's either your attached beliefs that will answer it or you. And what I mean by you is that you know what makes you happy, you know what doesn't make you happy, you know what brings joy to your life. You know what feels good to you and what okay. doesn't. Okay. So from that point of view, that is, that's it. Know okay. yourself. I want to get one last thought in here, and that is about your, your, your position on unconditional versus conditional love. And it seems like that's the real foundation of this book, The Mastery of Self. Could you mm -hmm. just explain that for our listeners, please? Sure. Uh, in, the, in the short time I have, conditional love is seeing only what we want to see. Unconditional love is the willingness to see life as is or seeing others as they are, not as we want to see them. Conditional love makes us see something that we want to see, pretend to be something that we are not. For example, in my case, to see myself only as Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. But that guy doesn't exist. I exist. And this person that's talking to you right now, yes, part of that phase that how I interact with the world is Don Miguel Ruiz Jr., but I'm also father, I'm also dad, I'm also husband, I'm also son, I'm also friend, I'm also so many things, and I'm the source of it all. Everyone sees me in a totally different way, but, but, but what matters the most is how I see myself because I am the constant in every relationship that I am in, but I am the constant all throughout my life. How do, do I see myself? As I want to see myself or as I really am? At that point, knowing myself is not getting to an identity with a definition, but to know myself through the experience of being me. Perfect. Well, listen, Guys Guys Radio, our special guest, I'm so thrilled, Don Miguel Ruiz Jr., such a pleasure to meet you. I thoroughly enjoyed your books. I highly recommend it to our listeners. Uh, the Five Levels of Attachment, The Mastery of Self, and Living a Life of Awareness. And I have like 35 more questions and we could go on for hours and hours. So hopefully you'll come back at some point to Guys Guys Radio and help us out here. That would be great. And uh, number two, if you could tell our listeners where they can find out more about you, your teachings and get your books. Well, Robert, I want to say thank you so much for having me on your show. It's an honor. You can find us in our website at miguelruiz.com or miguelruizjr.com. That's miguelruizjr.com. That's, that's our home base. And yes, we're on Facebook and Instagram and all those kind of things, but that's our base. So our books you can find in your local bookstore, luckily, and, and also on YouTube and things like that. 
Um, but I would say if I if I if there's a message to tell anyone out there, just enjoy being you, enjoy your life, enjoy being you, and having fun with everyone you love in life. Love it. Thank you so much, Miguel. Pleasure to meet you, and I, I hope you come back at some point. Thanks. Pleasure meeting you, Robert. Thank you for the invitation. I appreciate it. It's Guys Guy Radio. What a wonderful interview with a really terrific guy, a real guys guy, Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. And so what was our takeaway? There's so much I learned today, and I hope you guys did also. But I think the number one thing is, you know, the mastery of self starts with uh, learning the difference between conditional love and unconditional love and starting with yourself, learning to love yourself unconditionally, forgive yourself, and then look at other people the same way, be less judgmental, uh, more open to just listening, not having to engage and take sides on everything. And we're in a very divisive time in our country. And I think if everybody took Don Miguel's uh, advice and counsel on this, we'd we'd be a lot better off. So I'm certainly going to work on myself for this, and I thank him for that. So Guys Guys Radio, we're here on KCAA in Southern California every Wednesday evening, prime time Wednesday evening at 8 p.m., 102.3, 106.5 FM, 10.50 a.m. The show rebroadcasts on Sundays at 2 p.m., and the podcast drops every Thursday. You can consume it wherever you get your pods all over the world. Also, you can catch me all over social media, Robert Manny. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. My website is robertmanny.com. We've got over 300 blog posts there about life, love, and the pursuit of happiness. And of course, uh, there's a lot. You can get three free chapters of the source material for everything Guy's Guy, which is my novel, The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love. It's kind of a sexy romp through the world of advertising through the eyes of two guys in uh, the year 2005 in New York City. It's a fun book. It's been called The Male Sex in the City, The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love. So we've got great shows coming up for the next couple of months. I know everybody's dealing with the virus and everything and uh, trying to see how we can get back to, to work and get things going again. And I just would say, you know, be safe. Be strong, be patient, and be loving towards uh, an understanding of uh, each other because it's trying times for everybody. So thank you so much for being a listener. I thank you so much for your support. If you want to really support the show, give us a, re a review, a rating on Apple Podcasts, and uh, subscribe there also. So we'll see you next week, Guys Guys Radio. And as I always like to say, guys, guys, finish first. <laughs>